I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Hey there, this is your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada news, notes and opinions from the underground for Monday, January 23rd in the year of our Lord 2023. The last bits for the atheists. I've uh, I've been saving this piece of audio and holding on to it and I tucked it away and then I forgot about it and then I heard it on uh, Glenn Beck's radio program this is have you heard this this is Mr. Rogers some of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers neighborhood on television in the 60s through the 90s this was a television program directed towards children this is a song that Fred Rogers sang on his show uh, to children for over three decades. If he were alive today, I doubt very seriously he would be allowed to sing it on television. But it was true then, and it's still true today. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. When you're born a girl, baby, 
You grow up to be a bigger girl and then a woman. Only girls can grow up to be the mummies. Only boys can grow up to be the daddy. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fun. Your body's fancy. And so it's fun. I think you're a special person. And I like your ins and outsides. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. True. True. Yes, obvious, painfully true. And that's why he would sing it for children. I mean, here's some... Fred Rogers was a remarkable man. Here are some uh, interesting facts, fun factoids about Fred Rogers. He was a stickler when it came to his daily routine. He would start his day at 5 a.m. He made time for a prayer, as well as some studying, writing, phone calls, swimming. And then he would respond to his fan mail. Another part of Mr. Rogers' daily routine included, get this, a daily weigh-in. He liked to maintain a weight of exactly 143 pounds. Fred's uh, regular weigh-in of 143 had a special meaning to him. He would say it takes one letter to say I and four letters to say love and three letters to say you, Rogers once said. 143. 143, I love you. Rogers took time out of each day to respond to his fan mail. And he responded to each and every letter he received, which was approximately 50 to 100 letters per day. He respected the kids who wrote. His assistant on Mr. Rogers, Heather Arnett, said, he never thought about throwing out a dr- or uh, he never th- thought about throwing out a drawing or a letter. To Fred Rogers, these were sacred. Fred Rogers was an ordained minister who preached tolerance wherever he went. When Amy Melder, a six-year-old Christian viewer, sent Fred Rogers a drawing she made for him with a letter that promised he was going to heaven, Fred Rogers wrote back to his young fan. You told me that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. It means a lot to me to know that. And I appreciate the scripture verse that you sent. I'm an ordained Presbyterian minister, and I want you to know that Jesus is important to me, too. I hope that God's love and peace come through my work on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Wow, what a a remarkable man. What a remarkable song. I think I'll institute that song as a a semi-regular feature on the show, just as a reminder that boys are boys from the beginning. Only girls grow up to be moms. Uh, Most of us don't need that reminding, (laughs) obviously. But there are many out there. Mostly the uh, the college and university educated that do. I put educated in parentheses. Uh, does anyone read the comic strip Dilbert anymore? Do you remember the, uh, the Dilbert desktop calendars? They were very popular back in the early 90s. He, he had a last-minute Christmas or birthday present to get or something happening at the office. Uh, you needed a gift. You bought the Dilbert desk calendar. I don't know. I I guess I shouldn't be critical, but I never understood the popularity of Dilbert. I mean, good for Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert. He's 
obviously done very well by it. He's amassed a tremendous fortune from Dilbert. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a comic strip that was less funny for me than Dilbert. Maybe Family Circus and Mary Worth, which was not even a humorous comic strip. It was like a, a little soap opera. Anyway, uh, Scott Adams, also a very powerful influencer on social media. But over the last several years, he's been very hard, very critical of people who decided to remain vaccine free throughout the pandemic and beyond. Well, now it appears Scott Adams is eating crow. Have a listen. The anti-vaxxers clearly are the winners at this point, And I think it'll probably stay that way. And, and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They came out the best. They, they have the winning position. The unvaccinated have a current advantage because they, they feel better. The, the thing they're not worrying about is what I have to worry about, which is I wonder if that vaccination five years from now, because really the anti-vaxxers, I think, were really just distrustful of big companies and big government. That's never wrong. It's never wrong to distrust government. It's never wrong to distrust big companies. So if you just took the position, let's just distrust everything the government did, well, you won. You won. <laughs> you won completely. I did not end up in the right place. Agree? The right place would be natural immunity, no, no vaccination. You should take victory, and I should take defeat. You are the winners. All right, let me say that part with no ambiguity. You won. You won. Uh, all, all of my fancy analytics got me to a bad place. All of your heuristics don't trust these guys. It's obvious. Totally worked. Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert. I, I guess he he deserves some credit for, for this social media post. It's not easy admitting you're wrong. But it's not about winning and losing. I mean, I don't know any vaccine-free people. When I say vaccine-free, I'm talking about the COVID jab. I don't, I don't personally know any who are running around saying, I told you so. This isn't about I told you so. I mean, we feel, I feel terrible for people who were either coerced into getting the COVID jab or they took Pfizer or Moderna and, or public health and government officials at their word when they said it was safe and effective or that they were helping to save grandma, they thought they were doing the right thing. I feel terrible for those people who now have regret, who now maybe they live in fear that a few years down the road, they may get sick. And for those who were coerced or took it for whatever reason, and then were injured or worse, they died. That's a horrible tragedy. I take Who would take delight in something like that? Nobody that I would call friend. I don't know any of the COVID vaccine free that took any delight. They feel, we feel, a great deal of relief that we withstood immense pressure and scorn and, in some cases, rejection, being disinvited to family events, unfriended. If you're a conservative and you're vaccine-free, you were probably disinvited twice from the same party. That's two strikes. If you're white, straight, a man, two more strikes. If you believe in God, that's another one. That's what, five strikes? Five? Uh, I wish I could think of another one. Then you could at least say you struck out twice. That's two-thirds of an inning. What else gets you another strike? Um, 
believing in an objective reality. Well, that's just part of being an adult or it used to be or part of being conservative, I guess. But let's go with that. That's six strikes. White, straight, conservative, Christian, vaccine free, male who believes in an objective reality. That's um, that's why the brilliant Dr. Jordan Peterson is being persecuted, because he believes in an objective reality. He's uh, supposed to speak at an event at the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa, but a number of groups who have received direct funding from the Trudeau government are demanding Ottawa, the Ottawa venue, the Canadian Tire Center, cancel this event. There are something like 36 organizations, all at the public trough, who have demanded the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa cancel this event in which Dr. Peterson is to speak. This is part of his North American tour to promote his latest book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And this is the left, a perfect example of how they operate and work. If you have the wrong opinion, you must be silenced. The left seeks to criminalize opposing viewpoints. And that's why they're so dangerous. Uh, And more on that later. And maybe I'll get around to that story, last order of business in hour two, and take a few calls. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. That's for a little later. More failed liberal policies exposed. The ban on plastics has done precisely zero to reduce pollution. Big shock there. The liberal program to... Reduce red tape regulation accomplished, wait for it, precisely zero. Another big shock. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter will be here to discuss also in hour two. If you think the freezing of certain bank accounts was a one-time thing during the Emergencies Act, or if you believe Scotiabank when they said they were sorry for freezing B.J. Dichter's account, well, Scotiabank is at it again. I think, or, or is it Bank of Montreal? One of the big banks Let me check on that. But it's one of the big banks. They're doing it again. This time, Jeremy McKenzie has been debanked. Now, I I don't like many of the things that Jeremy McKenzie says or writes or tweets, the uh, creator of Diagonal, this fictitious, farcical media hoax. I mean, I think he's rather an unsavory character, but we don't debank people for that in this country. David Freiheit of Viva Fry on Rumble has that story in hour two. This hour, James Pugh is a terrific, a terrific writer. He's on the front lines in the culture war. His a new blog post is about putting together an anti-woke library, a list of the most important anti-woke books. He'll be here this hour. But first, Health Canada finally concedes the COVID vaccine is responsible for people dying. 400, 400 people, they admit, have died due to the COVID vaccine. But Health Canada says that's an acceptable number. And of course, they're still pushing the vaccine and boosters. That number is very low, they say. Now, I don't believe that number. I mean, if we apply the Harvard study on underreporting in VAERS, for example, 400, probably a drop in the bucket. I mean, but imagine being a family member of, of one of those 400 that died, some of them children, and hearing from Health Canada that that number is acceptable. It's low. Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun is next to discuss. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Well, I guess this is a start. It's a start. 
Health Canada. Admitting 400 people have died after receiving a, a COVID vaccine. But they say, oh, that's that's low. In other words, that's an acceptable number. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, unless you're the uh, family member of one of those 400 that died, like Dan Hartman, whose 17-year-old son, Sean, took the vaccine so he could play hockey. In other words, that's coercion. He wanted desperately to play hockey, so he took the vaccine, died 33 days later. Joe Warmington wrote about this recently in the Toronto Sun, and he joins us now. Hey, Joe, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, obviously, you know, I listened to Dan Hartman on station with Mark Petroni earlier, and, you know, I've talked to him, but, you know, it was a, a, a real tearjerker. And, again, it's a reminder that this isn't about statistics. It's about people, lots and lots of people that have been, Know, received uh, adverse reactions have been injured or died from following taking the vaccine, whether it's from it or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's important that mainstream media like Mark and yourself and myself start to, you know, get these stories out there so that we can make sure that the authorities are ruling on their own, you know, data and not worrying about money coming from Big Pharma or what government is talking about but actually if there's a crack in the wing let's look at it and and talk about it yeah which is it i've noticed there's quite a sea change now and, and some of this may have to do with the fact that elon musk has taken over twitter so a lot of the things that got you kicked off twitter uh, or banned or shunned or whatever are now you know are now possible to talk about um and so now i think we're seeing a change in the narrative and now we're seeing people come out and talk about openly about vaccine injuries where before it's like that was absolutely verboten but to suggest that 400 is low i mean joe you and i are old enough to remember in 1976 with the h1n1 vaccine 25 people died 25 people and they pulled the vaccine that was in the united states and you know it was a different scenario with the tylenol Somebody had actually opened the jars and, and poisoned people, but it was only three, I think. I mean, God rest the souls of the three, and they pulled every Tylenol bottle. So safety was always something you associated with Tylenol and with pharmaceutical companies. I don't now. I don't even think any, you know, I don't think that they even care about it. Um, you know, I'm not saying every one of them, but, you know, you have to admit that when you saw that interview with uh, Ezra Levant and the rebel and, um, Avi Yamini in uh, Davos with Albert Burla had like 16 million views. Uh, you know, the re- reason that 16 million views is because people want to ask a question of, of a guy like Albert Burla. He didn't even stop to, to answer. Uh, they've got it wrong. I mean, sure, it, it's something that has helped some people, but it, that's not the issue. The issue is also who has it not helped or who has it you know, helped kill, if you will. And um, you know, I'm not saying we know for sure, but we need to at least stop and inspect the airplane, make sure that the, the wings are okay. And you're right. I mean, you get canceled if you did that. It took a long time to be able to even get some of these stories out. I mean, last week, you covered it so well, and so did Mark, in the case of the, you know, the woman, Stephanie, uh, over the mask thing. Yes. And that took two or three years to come out. I mean, you know, that that wasn't very nice. And I don't know why everything has to be us and them, and you're in one camp or the other, because there's no such thing as that. There's only humanity. 
And that's exactly, you know, how I always approach my job. I know you, you and I have known each other a long, long time. And it's better to not be in a camp. It's better to tell the whole story from everybody in the camp. And that's starting to happen now. And you're right, Elon Musk is the main reason. He's given some indication now of why that might be. Because he himself had, he said he'd almost, he felt he was going to die. That time was the world's richest man. He's one of the richest people in the world. And, um, you know, he's, he's obviously looking for somebody to <clears throat> take this up, and he's allowed it to happen on his platform. You know, that, that video I mentioned, Richard, that was banned on every platform except for Twitter. And that's Elon yes. Musk. So that, that sends a message. It does. It's very telling. Joe, we'll take a quick time out. I want to hold on to you for a few minutes yet. I know you're busy, but I appreciate your time. Joe Warmington, Toronto Sun, back with more in a moment. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Health Canada says 400 dead after the vaccine. They're saying, they're qualifying that, saying we don't know that it was caused by the vaccine. Although anyone who has had to uh, get their doctor to help them file an adverse report knows how difficult and stringent it is. Uh, and I've, I had doctors on this program who, well, Dr. Patrick Phillips, who was um, not permitted to file any adverse reports. He was way ahead of the curve in terms of myocarditis. He was disciplined for reporting myocarditis because it wasn't accepted at that point as a, an adverse reaction. Now we know that it is. Um, Joe Warmington is with us, Toronto Sun. So... We mentioned you mentioned Tylenol back in 1982. These were the Tylenol murder murders. Someone puts like cyanide in these these capsules, and and what was it? Five five people, three people, four people died. And to to Tylenol's credit, I mean they 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 did a huge recall, 31 million bottles or cases. They helped. They got you know they set up a 1 800 line. They were they were very very proactive and and handled it. I thought quite well. Uh, but that's all been forgotten, obviously. Now it's yeah. now we have public health uh, dragging their heels, censoring people, then claiming we didn't know because the information was censored and they helped censor it. Joe, neither of us are, are scientists, obviously, but come on, do you, that 400, that number is going to go up, don't you think? Well, again, you know, in speculative uh, terms, but if you look at the American version of it, the VAR system, I think the number is 90,000. Uh, dead following vaccine, something like that. It's a lot larger. So even the 10%, the 400, was surprising. I, you know, I, I think the 400 figure, the reason that I think it's resonated in the column has gone viral like it has is for two reasons, because of talking about Sean Hartman, an actual person and not a statistic. And his dad, Dan, who's a wonderful man, mm. who's put up with an awful lot of abuse on, on Twitter and things like that, just trying to get, save other kids and other families. And the other reason the number is, while it's probably ridiculously low, it's also ridiculously high. You know what I mean? It's, in, yes. it's, it's sort of a shocking number. that. So you've got a guy, you know, some of these uh, people on Twitter saying you're a bunch of morons and there's nothing to this. And, you know, and you hear it on, on mainstream media as well. There's no one that has died. Well, that's now a lie. I mean, it's not true. The government of Canada themselves have said, that 400 people have, you know, that they've reported have died. Now, they haven't said all that because of the vaccine or what the reasons are. They've got all kinds of bureaucratic language in there to kind of cover 
different things. But then you start looking further into the report, and if anybody's listening, you can find it easily on the Google search of Health Canada Adverse Reactions, and it's also a link in my column there. And if you go on there and spend a few minutes, it's pretty shocking. I mean, myocarditis is on there at uh, like 1,750 cases that have been reported. There's over more than 10,500 serious cases reported. Now, that's not a few. That's a lot. Now, I suspect it's much higher because of what you said uh, about how hard it is for the doctors to to go ahead and. Yeah, it's not transparent and it's not a transparent. There hasn't uh, been a lot of bot pops either. I mean, there's there's been a lot of sudden deaths and things like that. Well, look, I'm not, uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I, I hope that. That it's you know fine. Everybody, there's so many people that have received the vaccines that we hope that it's fine. And maybe it is mostly. Maybe it's just certain ways it was administered or certain batches, or maybe there was some criminal activity like we saw with Thailand. There's a lot of maybes there, but whatever it is, <clears throat> I saw this with the space shuttle years ago, and I wrote about it at the time, where you know the lower level engineers that when the space shuttle took off noticed that something ice hit the wing and there was a problem with a heat shield that had come off. Within seconds, they, they emailed their supervisors and said this happened. Nobody would deal with it, and no one wanted to deal with it. And eventually, when they brought the space shuttle down, it couldn't get through because of the heat shields, and it exploded, and everybody died. Now, they never really dealt with that. That's one of the biggest cover-ups in the world's history, like I suspect some of this stuff is. But it did happen, and we didn't learn from it. It must be money talks and um, power as well. Uh, mm, absolutely. Matter. But, you know, at the end of the day... Look, at, I, I'm, I don't really care uh, about any of that. I care about all the people that have died and their families. And let's listen to them. Let's learn from it. Let's prevent others. If we don't do that in our jobs as journalists, um, then there's really no point in being in this. If, you, if you're just going to sit there and, and cover, you know, sort of answer for the government and big pharma and big uh, industry and all that stuff, you know, it doesn't mean you have to heckle them either. They can do they do a lot of good work, and, and you should laud that. But when things are not adding up, if you will, there's nothing wrong with taking a look, and that's what, all we're trying to do here with these numbers. And I think that... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. You know, you're right. The, 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 I think the tide has turned, and you're starting to see more people talk about it, and you will. Uh, and even if you get canceled now... Um, are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. No, I think people are seeing that. You know, you can't cancel everybody. Joe? You're a very um, courageous man with a great deal of integrity. And uh, no, you know what? I'm, actually, that's not true. I'm just a guy that does a column in the Toronto Sun for 31 years. That's that's all. I'm the same guy that you've known all that time. You've produced and done shows all that time. I, nothing's changed. I just do the story. This is the story of the day. It's nothing about courageous. You know, that's that's the numbers. And we talked to Dan Hartman, and that's the truth. And that's it. And we'll continue to do that. And no one's going to stop us from doing that. God bless you, Joe. Thank you. All the best. Joe Warmington, Toronto Sun. All right. That number is going to get higher and higher and higher. And of course, Health Canada will drag their feet and deny, deny, deny every inch of the way. But we will drag them every inch of the way until we one day perhaps cross the fishing out of the finish line. And maybe one day there will be answers for Sean. And uh, his bereaved father, Dan Hartman, every time I, I see his tweets in my uh, timeline, just crushes my heart. Crushes my heart. All right. When we come back, let's open up the phone lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Your thoughts. Health Canada finally admitting 400 dead after the vaccine. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Your reaction to Health Canada admitting or reporting, I suppose, 400 Canadians dead after taking the vaccine. I'm quite certain that number is much, much higher. Harvard University did a study on underreporting. With respect to the VAERS reporting system, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System that was developed by the CDC, I guess, with the FDA. And they talked about or they, they concluded that the underreporting could be anywhere from 40 to 100 percent. So do the math. 400 suddenly becomes what? Four, 560,000? I don't know that it's that high. I don't know what the number is. It doesn't matter. One is too many. Again, 1976, 25 dead after the H1N1 vaccine. They pulled it. 400 dead in Canada alone. That number is alarmingly high, but I, the, the reporting is alarmingly low, I believe, unfortunately. Let's grab a call here. Tony is, I think Tony's in Coburg. Tony, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. Go ahead. Hello, Richard. Hi. Hi uh, thank you for taking my call. First time calling in. Uh, big fan of the show. I just want to thank you for uh, everything you've done over the last two years, uh, airing these topics in such an open manner. Uh, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air and very refreshing to hear 
the uh, guests that you have on a regular basis on the show. So I, I'm a regular listener and love listening to. Uh, Thank you, Tony. Learn something every day. Appreciate that. Um, so my so my comment is around what Joe Warrington was saying. If 400 is what they're admitting to, or they're just saying there's some link, this is vastly underreported. There's got to be a much deeper number than that. And we know that the medical community in Canada has been threatened by their colleges uh, not to report. I know you touched on this. Uh, we have doctors who have been suspended. The license is suspended because they've gone against the narrative. They've, they've gone against recommendations for vaccines. So my biggest concern is when is this going to change? We still have the government pushing vaccines. We still have doctors pushing it. We still have people who do not want to talk or admit that their adverse reactions are much greater, that the deaths are much greater. And who's going to investigate this when we know that every single board that has investigation power, especially in the medical community, they're all supported by Big Pharma. They're all controlled by the Big Pharma organization. So how is this going to, where is the breakthrough going to happen? I don't see it under this government. I just don't see it. And it, it, that's the most frustrating thing is that we hear this news every single day and yet we don't see the change coming. And, I, uh, I share, share your, yeah, I share your cynicism about things changing. <laughs> they, they never change. They never change. The faces change. The names change. The people in positions of authority and pow- in power, they change. Uh, but the end result is always the same. Thank you for the call, Tony. Appreciate it. You know, what's, you know what's interesting? When people wear masks or when they they took the vaccine because they genuinely believed they were saving grandma. Uh, where any of these, these public health measures are taken, people will say, if it only saves one life, it'll be worth it. If we can only save one life. But it never works the other way. Have you noticed? So at least 400 people, probably much, much, much higher, could be 10 times higher, could be 20 times higher. One day, I hope we'll know, but we'll have to drag it out of them. But it never works the other way. If we can only save one life, we should take away this right and that right. Now that we know that it's minimum 400 dead, 10,000 injured, how many of those from myocarditis? What, is the, what are their prospects five years on? Myocarditis is never a, a um, it's always a serious thing, myocarditis. So we may not see the, uh, the actual result in terms of deaths from the vaccine for years. If we could only save one life, it'll be worth it, they say. But when there are five or 400 dead or 4,000 dead or 40,000 dead, whatever the number ends up being, silence from politicians, public health officials, silence. When we come back, James Pugh writes The Turn. It's a a blog for the, uh, it's the Woke Watch News Letter. And uh, he's compiling a list of anti-woke books, building a library of forbidden knowledge. He joins us next. The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Money. My, my good friend Money has uh, taken over command of the uh, big audio board back at the station. While Jacob takes care of some other production uh, matters, good to have you back on board, Money. Money is also building a backyard rink. Well, he has built a backyard rink. We're going to have to swap some pictures. 
Oh, he's giving me a report here. The ground was even uneven and the water ended up in one corner. That happened to me last year. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll swap some notes a little later, Money, on uh, the perils of building a backyard hockey rink. All right. We're going to talk about the uh, building a, a library of anti-woke books. A library of forbidden knowledge. James Pugh is a terrific writer. He writes The Turn, the Woke Watch newsletter, wokewatchcanada.substack.com. James, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. How are you doing? Thanks for I'm having me. My pleasure. I want to make sure that I have the uh, the name of the uh, the newsletter. It's the the Woke Watch newsletter, and you write The Turn. So uh, is it called The Turn, the Woke Walk, Watch newsletter? <laughs> Sorry, it's confusing. There's two substacks. Okay. One is Woke Watch Canada. Yes. Dot substack.com. And that's, I write for that, but also a lot of other people write for it too. Uh, some, some of them are anonymous teachers and people on the inside in education or just people encountering wokeism, um, but also just people writing journalistic and academic type uh, things about wokeism. And then the turn is my own substack. And that one's just jamespew.substack.com. Got it. Okay. Well, I think this idea of compiling a list of a an anti-woke library or a library of forbidden knowledge is, is tremendous. It's a great idea. And I think people are hungry for this information. It's a it's a terrific resource. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I want to I want you to think about this. Don't give me an answer now, but think about it. This could be a regular, uh, a wonderful regular segment where we could talk about, you know, great books like a book review type club. Anyway, that's for another time. So what do you consider to be what constitutes an anti-woke book? Well, okay. Um, the way I framed it, because not all the books that on, on that list are overtly anti-woke, um, but taken as a collection, it paints um, a worldview that would give somebody the knowledge so that they can, they can be part of the counter-resistance, we can call it. We can, we can counter wokeism, and that's what these books um, have in them, and all, in all in different ways. Like some of these books, uh, the Thomas Sowell books, for example, would have been written before we had a term like wokeism. You know, back then it was called political correctness. And right. even before then, I mean, I place uh, the beginning of this in the 1960s counterculture. And two of the books on the list really go into that good. One of them is the Roger Scruton uh, Frauds and Firebrands one. Uh, and the other one is Roger Kimball, The Long March. And those ones really trace um, how... Um, things really went off the rails with the 1960s counterculture, especially what was going on in, in academia. So academia and the counterculture, that's really where this long march through the institutions began. Right. And we're in a late stage of it uh, with wokeism, and it's taken on a totalitarian character. And that's the scary part of it. All right. So uh, we won't have time to go through all of the books on the list, obviously. And I would encourage people to, you know, to read your blog at uh, wokewatchcanada.substack.com. And uh, your again, your personal uh, um, blog, James, give us that one as well. That's just uh, well, you can find it as the turn or uh, it's the, the URL is jamespew.substack.com. All right. So one of the books, as you say, uh, that's part of the uh, library of forbidden knowledge is called The Status Game on Social Position and How We Use It by Will Store. Tell us a little bit about it. That is probably the most um, unusual one to put on this list. And the reason I put it there is because wokeism is, of course, obsessed with equity. Mm. And um, this book by Will Storr really shows us that it is human nature for people to status seek. Not everybody. Not everybody's ambitious. 
but someone who's a CEO or a top level engineer or the people that are really achieving and innovating and, put, you know, breaking new ground in society, they're doing it a lot of times because they're seeking status. And I don't think we should look at those people as narcissists or, or this is not necessarily a bad thing. We can, we can rein in people so that they can, we can, you know, maybe rein in these billionaires a little bit, but this idea of equity where we're not going to have a meritocracy, we're not going to celebrate excellence. Um, we're going to rein in people who are status seeking and, and we're not going to have hierarchy in society. This really is at odds with human nature. We, we, we are hierarchical and there must be um, the ability for people to ascend in status. Um, that, that's what gives people the incentive to want to do things, want to do excellent things and amazing things, you know, and we can't, we can't not have that in society and equity wokeism wants to rob us of that fundamental human characteristic. Right. All right. Um, we have time for one more and that is uh, Douglas Murray who recently, uh, appeared at the, um, the, the, the name of that annual uh, debate, a month debate. debate. Thank you. And uh, absolutely destroyed uh, on the other side. The, I think it was a resolved wokeism has gone too far yes. uh, or something like that. Douglas Murray, uh, the book you have here in the Forbidden uh, Knowledge Library is The War on the West. That's his latest, right? Yes, it's it's brilliant. Um, where what Douglas Murray really brings is he's got that historian sensibility so he can really dismantle all these ideas of decolonization, this which is a heavily woke thing, uh, um, a historical catastrophizing. I love that term. I got it from him from his first from the book before the madness of crowds. Uh, that's what woke people do. They're they're cherry picking through history and 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 finding very negatively it's a very negatively skewed mode of analysis, what, how they look through history. Uh, post-colonial theory, I guess, is the, well, I don't guess, but that is what it is. That, that is the academic discipline, post-colonial theory, where this idea of decolonization comes from. And Murray really writes a great book in defense of Western history and in, in defense of Western liberal values, uh, liberal society, and shows that it's it's madness, really, to look at the contribution that the sort of Western Enlightenment tradition has brought to the world as anything less than a net benefit. And the woke people see the exact opposite of that, which is the furthest from truth and reality you can get to say that uh, a Western European culture and coloniza colonization and all these things were not perfect processes. Of course, historical wrongs and injustices were committed. But at the end of the day, when you really weigh out, it, we brought civilization to the world. We brought advancements in science and all kinds of, no, I shouldn't say we, but the Western Enlightenment and the traditions associated with that did amazing things for the globe. And to see it as a negative, um, the way woke people do, it's because they have, a, they have an agenda to, to seize power in the present so they have to make us believe that that we're awful and how they do that one way is by rewriting our history and saying we were nothing but genocidal people, colonizers, oppressors, all of these things. That's a very uh, reductive and stupid way of looking at the world. It's nowhere near true. Uh, and there are tons of real historians out there that don't. Um, don't suffer from post-colonial theory-itis. They do real objective empirical history type research. And those are the ones we should read and listen to. Those are the ones I teach my kids about. That's the history I'm teaching my kids.
Fantastic. So uh, the status game on social position and how we use it by Will Storr and The War on the West by Douglas Murray. Two great books to add to your forbidden knowledge library of anti-woke books. James Pugh, thank you. Oh, we should also encourage people, um, if you're interested in, in getting these books, go to the uh, Woke Watch Canada Substack because you're uh, an Amazon affiliate. And uh, we yeah. can help support your, your work there by by ordering the books through WokeWatchCanadaSubstack.com. And, and uh, that uh, that diverts a few pennies into your coffers, at least. <laughs> <laughs> support the movement. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, James, thank you. Very insightful. Very important. A great resource. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. James Pugh, the WokeWatch uh, newsletter, WokeWatchCanada.Substack.com. All right. Hour two. We'll uh, speak with Viva Fry. David Fryheit will be here. Viva Fry, of course, on Rumble. And uh, we'll talk about the debanking of Jeremy McKenzie, a rather unsavory character, admittedly. But we don't debank people for that reason in this country. Or once upon a time, we didn't. That's all changed. We'll uh, we'll speak to uh, Viva Fry, David Fryheit, about that. And uh, more failed liberal policies, whether they're banning plastics or trying to reduce red tape, just a big fail all the way around each and every time because the liberals personify uh, that rare and uh, odious combination of corruption and incompetency. Tom Korski, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter, will be here with that story. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show and Hour 2 after these. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you That's what I do. I meddle with the primal forces of nature. One day I will be hauled off the air and into a boardroom where I will be uh, verbally accosted by someone looking like Ned Beatty. All right. Welcome to hour two of the Richard Serrett show. If you missed hour one, you know the drill. That's my Joe Biden impression. You know the drill. Hey, man, that's no joke. You know the drill. You miss a lot, but don't uh, despair still. Plenty of great programming coming your way in hour two. Uh, Tom uh, uh, Korsky, Tom Korsky from uh, Black Locks Reporter will be here. We'll we'll talk about a couple of failed federal liberal programs. There is no evidence the federal ban on everyday plastic products will reduce plastic pollution. None. Zero. This from uh, their own Department of Environment. And... Back in 2015, the um, 
They enacted a federal law to cut red tape. It achieved precisely nothing, according to the Treasury Board. Tom Korski will be here with that. We'll uh, carve out a little bit of time for your phone calls as well towards the tail end, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. All right, Jeremy McKenzie, bit of an unsavory character. Don't think I'd invite him to my block party. Uh, but, you know, he uh, he is what he is. It takes all kinds, as my mother used to say. But we don't debank people just because we don't agree with them. Well, that used to be kind of, you know, the understanding we had in civilized society, but not anymore. Jeremy McKenzie has been uh, debanked. David Freiheit, host of Viva Fry, the wildly popular channel on Rumble, joins us. David, welcome. How are you? I'm doing not bad. How are you doing? Not bad. I'm doing not bad. <laughs> Just you know, keep, keeping up with the slow decline of Canada into a state of absolute. Uh, what do they call it? The social credit Chinese type, type dictatorship that that Justin Trudeau loves so much. It's uh, it's it's obscene to see it happen so quickly and to see so many people okay with it because they don't like this guy and they think this type of abuse is only going to happen to people they don't like. Right. Well, for those not familiar, just give us a bit of a, a thumbnail sketch of Jeremy McKenzie. So I don't know him personally above and beyond having interviewed him for a, a good period of time on my channel. Uh, this was before the, um, you know, the, the, the comments about um, Pierre Poilievre's wife, which I which I told him it's, it's stupid. It makes it very hard for people to support you when you make awful jokes like that. But Jeremy McKenzie, a Canadian veteran, he served uh, he served Canada in the military during the lockdown. He became something of a raging dissident, which is the name of his channel, uh, where he would, you know, effectively do the same type of stuff that I was doing, which is walk the streets, complain about the government, except he has much less of a filter than I do and has much of a much more of an edgier side to the point where he says things which will shock certain people's consciences uh, that are objectively offensive. I mean, objectively offensive offense is necessarily subjective by definition, but Hmm. stuff which people would not have problems saying. You shouldn't say that, or I don't like people who say that, or you're you're a jerk for saying that. I was about right. to swear on the radio. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what ends up happening? He 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 goes to he goes to participate in the in the convoy. Um, he becomes public enemy number one. He founds this this internet meme culture called Diagalon, which it's called Diagalon. It's sort of an, a, a fake universe like Kekistan, you know, Trump's Kekistan from the states, where it's a it's a fictitious universe. Um, consisting of states that have resisted this COVID madness. And they noticed that it went from like... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. 
This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Up left of Canada, down to the bottom right of the states, like diagonal. So they call this this fake thing called Diagonal. He's the president. It's got some like drug-addled goat. That's the 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 the, the um what's the word? Not an M. What's the thing there? The at a, at, a, at a football game, the stuff. Oh, a mascot, animals, a mascot. mascot. Jeez, Louise, I'm sorry. So yeah, they have this mascot, which is like a you know a, a goat. It's it's a it's a it's a ridiculous thing, but it became known as this ideologically motivated violent extremist group because the government thought that it was an actual militia and they thought they were actually coming to Ottawa to like you know do terroristic things, and um, it was part of the reason for which the Emergencies Act was invoked because they thought this extremist organization called Diagalon was coming to raise hell. Which was uh, a hoax, was, just a it, silly meme. And our silly people in Ottawa actually got, you know, they got their chain yanked. Oh, yeah. Well, except, except, you know, when they had that arrest in coots of the people with the firearms, which, you know, is still a bit of a suspicious incident uh, on its own. But one of the guys who got arrested had a Diagalon patch on his armored vest. So he had a, an armed Diagalon militiaman arrested in coots on firearms charges. Surely you have to, you know, come in with a fist of fury and, 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 and violently assault peaceful protesters in Ottawa. That's Jeremy McKenzie. Said some terrible things, said some dumb things, et cetera, et cetera. Got arrested on firearms charges related to some of the pictures that they posted uh, for Diagalon, where they're hunters, they have rifles, they have guns, yes. um, and faced some other very, uh, late charges for alleged assault on uh, an ex-girlfriend in Saskatchewan, arrested in Nova Scotia, detained for five or six days in solitary in Nova Scotia, flown like Nicolas Cage out of Con Air back to Saskatchewan, uh, where he was in jail for over two months, in solitary confinement for a better part of it because he refused to submit to the PCR COVID test. And so they, you know, for the safety of all the prisoners, had to put him in solitary Gets let out, gets, you know, finally gets bail after two months, never convicted of anything in his life, by the way, and goes back to Nova Scotia. And last Friday gets a Friday afternoon call from a nice, polite gentleman who works at Scotia Bank saying, we're very sorry for the inconvenience, but we're going to have to close all your bank accounts. Uh, you have 30 days to get your money out. We're, we're still going to keep your mortgage for another year so you can keep paying us, you know, interest <laughs> on your mortgage, but we're not renewing it. So when it comes to term, you're 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 out of a bank account, you're out of luck on a mortgage. Good luck. And um, that's how we that's how we roll in Canada now. Right. And and Scotiabank, they uh, they froze some accounts during the uh, Emergencies Act. Then they issued an apology to one of the convoy organizers, B.J. Dichter. Uh, but, you know, we thought maybe that that was kind of a I don't know. Uh, an object lesson for banks that that's just not what we do. But apparently <laughs> Scotiabank didn't take that lesson to heart. It, it's amazing. They They did it. They saw from what I understand, they noticed people were immediately withdrawing a lot of money from banks because people lost faith in banks. They didn't have the reserves to satisfy this. So the run on the banks, basically, from what I understand, forced a lot of these banks to call Trudeau and say, what the heck are you doing? This is causing a big problem. They apologize when it's politically convenient to apologize. And then in the dead of the night, uh, they just go and do the exact same thing again. Mackenzie has not been convicted of a crime yet. He hasn't had his day in court on the two pending charges. Um, Oh, and I forgot to mention, Richard, not only did they shut his bank accounts down, apparently he's like restrained from entering the premises of Scotiabank anywhere. If he wants to show up on the premises, he's got to call in to make an appointment. It's it's China social credit level stuff, which, you know, when Justin Trudeau says, you know, infamously now he admires the basic dictatorship of China. We have to listen. And, you know, Mackenzie is accused of having said 
anti-Semitic things. I, I don't know what's a joke in quotes and what's not. And at the end of the day, uh, call me a self-hating Jew. I don't care if he has said anti-Semitic things. I, genuinely, right. from this perspective, I don't care. This is hey. not what you do. Yeah, well, he sounds to me like a miserable SOB, but you know the world is full of them. And uh, so, so we start with debanking. Uh, is that a new? Did you did you coin that phrase? Is that a new phrase that we need to put in the Canadian encyclopedia now? Debanking. It's been it's it's existed in the states for a little while because they did it to Alex Jones. It's it's the last you know it's it's deplatforming, but on the financial level, it's even more dangerous than it obviously deplatforming. Um, but yeah, it's got to add it to the lexicon. My phone has to stop underlining it. So are you getting well, I, I've, I've been on uh, you know Twitter and I've seen you're getting some some blowback. How why are you defending Jeremy McKenzie and how dare you and all of this stuff? How- I'm getting so you know, what? I'm not getting that much blowback. And the blowback is generally from either bona fide trolls or people who just lack foresight. I, so I, I set up a, a give, send, go because I, I, I boycott GoFundMe. Uh, for the rest of my life, I will boycott GoFundMe because they are the crooks who tried to steal the money that the convoy raised uh, in Ottawa. Give, send, go. Jacob Wells, great company. Uh, I set up a, a fundraiser for Jeremy because th- they're trying to crush this man in all respects. And he might be a loathsome human. I actually happen to think he's he's a decent person who just says stupid things, gets, you know, you know says stupid things uh, and also makes humor that people want to misconstrue his seriousness. Um, so I set this up because, uh, first of all, it, it to, to just to make a point against this government, we, this is not how things can work in Canada. You know, it starts off with uh, I don't think Jeremy's ever denied the Holocaust, but people like to say, well, oh, would you, would you allow a Holocaust denier to have a bank? It's like, first of all, yes, uh, they gave Carla Homolka a bank account from what I you know, can imagine. Uh, Omar Khadr had a bank account to cash his 10 million dollars from the government. But a man who's never been convicted of anything and for people who like to talk about criminal justice reform. And and, you know, reforming criminals. No, let's go ahead and debank an individual that has not yet been convicted of anything and turn a a person into a criminal. Um, So I've I've had it. And, you know, it starts off with Holocaust deniers, anti-Semites, and then it's going to turn into election deniers. Oh, go on social media and deny an election. Debank. Oh, go ahead and say something a little mean to Trudeau. Debank. It's a precedent that cannot stand despite the fact that people might hate the target. And that's exactly how they start, like with Alex Jones in the States. Start with a hated target so people accept it. And then you start moving the Overton window over time. Or if you're Fred Rogers, the late Mr. Rogers. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. That'll get you debanked in Canada in coming soon. Uh, David, uh, just hold on. We'll take a quick time. I'll come back just a few minutes yet. I know you're busy and you're doing great work down there. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. Some major reverb there on Greg Carrasco. Sounded like the voice of God. <laughs> All right, we are here with uh, David Fry Height and Viva Fry, of course, wildly popular Rumble channel. And uh, we're talking about Jeremy McKenzie, who, again, are somewhat an, of an uns- unsavory character. Um, at least, David, you had the, you had the, 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 I'm not, courage is probably too strong a word, but you had the decency to actually, you know, to interview him and let's find out what this person is all about before, you know, casting, casting aspersions and so forth. You just say he's, he's de- basically a decent guy, just no filter. 
um, maybe, uh, you know, needs to learn to be a little more sophisticated in his uh, social media posts and so forth. But he's been debanked by the Bank of Nova Scotia, Scotia Bank, Scotia Bank, yeah, Scotia Bank. And they obviously I'm guessing, you know, they want to keep this quiet because the last thing uh, they want is another run on the banks, although that's what they deserve. Richard, can you imagine like uh, I know, first of all, people hate Jeremy. Mc- and I say people, journalists loathe him when he got arrested. Saga you know, traffic. Oh. <laughs> we're, uh, let me know if I'm still here. <laughs> we're, Moving along. No, no, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Eva has said too much. No, the, the, you know, people, the media does not like Jeremy. So when it's bad news, they're all over it. Radio silence. I, I, and I've been tagging the so-called self-proclaimed independent journalists, Rachel Gilmore, Glenn McGregor, uh, City News, uh, not City News, uh, Global, CBC, not a word of this. No. Uh, and it's, it is the type of thing that people should vote with their dollar and actually absolutely boycott a bank that, that does this because it doesn't end here. And people like to say, oh, well, there's a good reason here, uh, even though I'm against it. No, it, you know, I can understand debanking someone if they were convicted of fraud against the bank, like bank fraud against the bank. Criminals still need the essential utility that is banking. It's not something that you can cut off and think you're cutting off water to a criminal. Well, they were convicted. Uh, so I set this I set this give, send, go up. It's it's over seventeen thousand dollars now. Uh, I, I need to turn off email notifications because my emails are just blowing up. Um, and I got the letter that Jeremy received today confirmation above and beyond the six and a half minute phone call he had and it's just atrocious but the bottom line i don't think jeremy's that bad of a character he did give hope community to a lot of people who are going through a lot of hard stuff during the pandemic he does it with dark humor that people purport to misunderstand he says edgy things because that's you know that's that's his brand um he was used kind of though as the straw man during the convoy and i know that the a lot of the trucker convoys bj dictor and others really didn't appreciate uh you know, the, the way that he was used as a straw man and they sort of put that on him. He set himself up for that and that didn't reflect well on the on the convoy. So maybe, you know, they see him as working across purposes. But none of that matters, really, when in terms of what we're talking about, debanking somebody. Um, but it, I mean, there are other examples. Uh, last year, Ezra Levant was on the program. He was trying to get a mortgage to buy a property in Calgary so that he could, you know, he's expanding Rebel News. And uh, he's done business with this particular bank. I'm not. I don't want to name the bank because I can't remember which one it was. They they turned him down yeah, because it, basically because of his politics. So it's happening more than we know. It, uh, only because of his politics. I remember he made the video on it. I can't remember the bank either, but only because he can pay his bills as much as everybody else. But we've 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 set up an environment in the world where we think because we started with deplatforming and now we're going to debanking, we think that this is um, acceptable conduct to impose on ideological adversaries. And, and like I you know, started saying before the, the break, you know, they start with characters that are easy to hate, partially through misrepresentations, but even if they are loathsome characters, can you imagine that people are saying, well, he might have said some anti-Semitic things, so this is justified, but actual convicted murderers have bank accounts in Canada. And so they start with the Alex Joneses. They start with the Jeremy McKenzie's and it not, doesn't stop there and it won't stop there because by design, it's not intended to stop there. So I, I, I'm putting my foot down. I'm a stubborn I'm a stubborn kid, um, you know, whether or not I still have oppositional defiance disorder. Uh, I don't like seeing this. And I, 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 I know Jeremy and I, I don't think I dislike him. I think he's he's proven himself to be a decent person above and beyond the stupid things that he said. But 
once upon a time on Saturday Night Live, they used to make jokes that are very much uh, akin to the ones that got Jeremy in trouble with with Pierre's wife. It's it's not stuff that you can do with a social media following because of how people will interpret it, can interpret it and can misuse it. So you, you have to have that discretion. But this is not a precedent that can be allowed to stand. The media silence is darn telling. And I'll make a stink of it until somebody uh, is forced to report on it. So you set up a gives and go um, a campaign for Jeremy. You so far seventeen thousand dollars. Seventeen thousand eight hundred dollars. My it's it's actually. I mean, I'm getting more emails than I than I care to get for this. But um, I'm going to turn off notifications. But yeah, it's over seventeen thousand dollars. It's barely a day and a half old. I set it up in a, in a fit of rage Saturday night. Uh, my fit of rage is me sitting in front of the computer typing hard. Set it up. Uh, it, it's givesendgo.com slash McKenzie, just his last name, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. And people who are fed up with what's going on in Canada are donating to this. You know, it, 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 financial freedom is, seems to be the only way to avoid political persecution. Uh, he's a veteran. He, he, he served and sacrificed for the country. And he might, you know, just SOL, as we say, just tough noogies. Right. So does he, is, is he aware that you've raised this? Well, that, yeah, you've helped raise this kind of money. He he did. He's aware because I, I I told him afterwards because at some point this is going to have to go to the the source. Uh, he did not ask me to, and I didn't I didn't ask beforehand because sometimes people need help and they're too ashamed right. or they're too uh, proud to ask for it. The, 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 this type of legal onslaught, you know, being locked up for months, uh, being whether or not the charges you think are legitimate discovering charges forced to face this 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 legal system this political system you know it doesn't it, it doesn't make people rich and it and it crushes them spiritually and financially so uh, uh th- th- this was just the straw that broke my my camel's back of to- of, of of outrage that we're going to start doing this here and, and and you have people who call themselves conservative saying well you know he's he said some anti-semitic things and that joke about pierre polia's wife it's a terrible person and Right. You think they're not going to come for you one day. Right. Yeah. Call them out. Call them out for it. When someone steps out of line in your mind and you take offense or whatever, call them out on social media, whatever. But we do not uh, de-platform and de-bank people uh, for that. Well, once upon a time, we didn't. But that's all changed. David Fry height. And again, it's Viva Fry on Rumble. Check it out. David, always uh, appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much. At first, thank you. And thank you for covering this because the, you're one of the few uh, and, and you have an audience and people are going to hear about this and people should know what Scotiabank is doing in terms of deciding whether or not to ever do business with the bank that thinks they can do this in, uh, again. Give us the uh, the campaign um, URL again. Campaign is givesendgo.com slash McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. All right. Thank you so much, David. Talk to you soon, I hope. All the best. Bye-bye. All right. When we come back. Tom Korski from Blacklocks on a couple of big fails for the liberal government. Yeah, throw those on the pile. Back with more in a moment. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News, News Talk. Talk. Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. So, not a big surprise here. Not a big shock. The... Um, federal ban on everyday plastic products will do nothing to reduce plastic pollution. This according to the Department of Environment. This is an internal report here with more on this story and others. 
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Tom Korski, Managing Editor at Blacklocks Reporter. Hey, Tom, how are you? Do we have Tom? I see him there, but maybe he's... There you are, Tom. I can hear you. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Uh, this is not a big surprise, but, you know, the, the whole uh, idea behind banning uh, plastics, like, I don't know about you, Tom, but in our house, there's no such thing as a single-use plastic bag. That plastic bag, you know, we bring it home from the grocery store. Then we, uh, I don't know, we, um, I used to, when I was working outside of my house, I would take my lunch in a plastic bag. Then we'd bring it home. Eventually, it would line a waste paper basket, and then we would end up using it for garbage. You know, there's three uses. Um, so this this report, this internal memo from the Environment uh, Department that that to the ban on plastic will do nothing to reduce plastic uh, pollution can't come as a surprise. Well, they say they don't have the data, and this was supposed to be science. So you're right. This is an internal report, and it says you don't have the data. You don't really know what a volume of plastics are being landfilled or recycled now, point number one. So if the feds uh, go to, as they say they will, enforce a ban on they picked six plastic products, Polystyrene food containers, uh, knives and forks, uh, cross grocery bags, you mentioned, six-pack rings. By the end of the year, that's going to be forbidden. Can't use those in Canada. But will it reduce, for instance, plastic pollution? Well, they don't have any evidence. And worse than that, speaking of science, a scientific periodical, Marine Pollution Bulletin, reported last year, said, you'll never guess what, those six product categories I just mentioned. That's not the predominant plastic litter. Most plastic litter is wrappers and bottle caps. Guess what's not banned? Wrappers and bottle caps. So were you just making it up at the Department of Environment? Was this just about sloganeering or was it science? It can't be science because the science says you don't have the data. Precisely. Yeah, it's definitely, again, just another virtue signaling. We're going to ban plastic bags. So again, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on this, but it, it it's just, it's a constant reminder every time I go to the grocery store. So I can't, uh, I can't um, get plastic bags to bring my groceries home. Uh, so I don't have plastic for my, my garbage to, you know, for my, my organics and everything else. So they then force me to go to the grocery store and buy plastic bags, uh, single use plastic bags to put my organics and my garbage in. I mean, it's well, just and, 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 common sense. Sure, and the plastics industry. Now, of course, these are lobbyists, but they have they've tried to get the data. They say you look at alternatives. What's the carbon footprint of a paper bag? Guess what? More. It mm -hmm. takes more energy, more emissions to produce a paper bag. You know, Richard, 
The Department of Environment has an unfortunate history in this regard. Some people may recall the campaign against the old Edison bulbs, the incandescent yes. bulbs, mm-hmm. 75 and 100 watts. And this goes back six years. There was a, there was a drive to replace those with uh, compact fluorescent bulbs. And they didn't tell people the compact fluorescents contained trace mercury. And there was hundreds of kilograms of mercury landfilled until the Fed said we have to stop it. This is the problem when you say you're following science, but you can't be bothered reading the science. You're kind of making it up as you go along. And the results can, I mean, the consequences can often be very unfortunate. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Just got about a minute and a half before we break. We'll come back and talk some more. But another big fail, this goes back to a 2015 law to cut federal red tape. In other words, uh, cut regulation. Uh, I'm I'm assuming for for small businesses and others, um, cut red, red, red tape regulation. Now, was this this is 2015. Was this a conservative law or was it a liberal law? It was the last term of the conservative cabinet, and there were people at the time said, you know, the uh, public service executives are not going to go for it. It was doomed to failure, and indeed it was. It was founded to not reduce regulations. It became a shell game. So the deal was you had to repeal uh, any obsolete regulation if you brought in a new one. So it became a numbers game, and there were so many exemptions. Ask anyone in small business. The red tape would make Jesus weep. It is absolutely staggering. And we're not even talking about the income tax code. You name it. Recycling, uh, health and welfare, uh, wage uh, (laughs) regulations in the 30 to 40,000 federal regulations. That's just the feds. So the the problem here was not the necessarily the intent of the bill but it what the, the the bureaucracy simply dragged their feet and didn't want to play ball well it became the enforcement it became it became enforcement so it became a shell game people said oh okay you want us to repeal a wagon wheel regulation yeah we can do that so we can bring in three more regulations but there will be numerous exemptions for taxes and and such the moral of the story is you either have a commitment to, to smaller regulation or you don't, because if you don't, you can come up with all the policies and bills that you want to. Even the public service union said this is sloganeering. This is not science. It won't work. And it didn't. Hmm. You know, it's too bad because uh, a lot of economists look at Trump's deregulation in the U.S., along with tax cuts and so forth, as, as, as really being a boon to their economy under Trump. And uh, we, we all remember that great photo op. He was in the, the White House with all of those, you know, pages and pages, something like eight million pages of, of regulations that he cut. But there's an aversion, I guess, in this country. People think you're going to deregulate. That means you're going to put lead back in paint or something. I don't know. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll take a quick time out, Tom. Come back. And uh, uh, oh, we want to talk about pharmacare and how the uh, the liberals are sort of backpedaling or reneging on their deal with the NDP. This could be good, good news, as we'll discover. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. So this unholy alliance that is allowing the liberals to cling to power, otherwise known as the supply and confidence agreement, this has the new Democrats pledging their 25 MPs to prop up the liberals for the uh, the life of the 44th uh, parliament. That all hinges on uh, certain pieces of legislation, things that are on the, uh, the NDP's wish list, one of which is a, uh, a national prescription 
drug insurance program. And uh, the NDP says, you know, uh, you got to have it passed by the end of the year. Otherwise, the deal is over. Well, looks like the uh, the liberals are reneging on that. They say, well, we're just going to work on it. We're not going to necessarily pass it. We're just going to work on it. So this could be uh, this could be hopefully the unraveling of this uh, supply and confidence agreement. Tom Korski is with us. He is the managing editor at Blacklocks Reporter. Support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Tom, um, NDP can't be too happy about this. Whenever the liberals say, well, we'll work on it, basically that means uh, we're just going to sit on it and do nothing. Sure, and it was quite deliberate. That was a Department of Health memo. And they knew what they were doing, and they were, they in fact they put it in black and white twice in this internal memo. And they said we're you know we're supposed to pass this. I don't yeah I don't know maybe maybe I don't know yeah maybe we'll just introduce it and talk about it. Now, well, I the think... uh, agreement is very uh, is uh, as you mentioned it is very explicit. That bill that pharmacare bill must be passed by years end. What's the takeaway here? Are we going into an election this spring? We are not. But there's no sign of that. But you can tell that the two parties to this uh, supply and confidence agreement, as you mentioned, are starting to get on each other's nerves. Richard, that agreement is supposed to run for two more years till the spring of 2025. Zero chance. It's almost impossible that that's going to happen. And especially as we start to go into recession and food inflation, everyone's getting upset. There's a lot of issues that are not being dealt with. You talk about them on your show. They can't even run a passport office. Asking two more years of vote swapping. And so uh, it's asking a lot. But what was interesting is exactly that. This was the Department of Health saying, you know what? Maybe we're getting, maybe no. Maybe we're getting tired of this. It'll be interesting. Well, what is more important to the NDP? Do you have a sense? Is it the the um, the pharmacare program or the dental care program i mean which one is the deal breaker or are they both deal breakers oh there, there's this supply and confidence agreement has nothing but deal breakers it has to be legislation of uh, bad replacement workers in event of labor disruption in the federally regulated private sector that's a deal breaker and, and, and i mean it, it goes on and on but you just because you know th- th- there was an arrangement uh, an unwritten arrangement between you democrats and liberals before my minister broke it. He called an election in 2021. Went for broke. Didn't work out. He lost some cabinet ministers, got reelected in a minority, really achieved nothing. This time, the New Democrats wanted it in writing. Now, the fact that the uh, cabinet reneges on that deal, and when they say uh, 11 months ahead of a deadline, gee, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make that deadline. You know that they're testing the waters. They call that drag in the chain. We just want to see how you react. Because their opinion is, this is not articulated, but it's implicit, that you Democrats are scared to go to the polls. I think it's this is whole year is going to be a box of fireworks. Parliament comes back in a week. It's going to be it's going to be a box of fireworks, Richard. Right. And the ball now is in uh, Jugmeet Singh's court. As you say, though, he can't afford to go into another election. The NDP are broke. Uh, on the other hand, he's looking at that expensive Rolex and uh, thinking, you know, I really need to hang on to 2025 so so I can qualify for my full pension. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be interesting with his own caucus. Are they going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, where's your where are your principles, Jagmeet Singh? Let's let's just end this marriage now and let's go to the polls. 
Uh, the, the problem is also, you know, it's on pharmacare. As one of the New Democrat MPs uh, pointed out, uh, liberals love to uh, campaign on pharma. Pharmacare and have been doing so for 30 years, hmm. but never get around to introducing a bill. And, an affo- and affordable housing. That's their other. They, they love- well, there's, there's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Again, support independent media, blacklocks.ca, blacklocks.ca. Tom, thank you. All the best. And we'll talk again. Thank you, Richard. You too. All right, let's open up the phone lines once again. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. I'm going to share with you uh, when we come back a story. Uh, well, Dr. Jordan Peterson, one of our greatest minds, perhaps uh, right up there with the late great communications theorist Marshall McLuhan. Dr. Peterson is scheduled to appear at the Air, Air Canada, no, the I'm uh, sorry, the Canadian Tire Centre in Ottawa as part of his North American book tour. His uh, latest book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. Well, a bunch of disgruntled um, uh, leftist groups that receive direct funding from Trudeau uh, are basically trying to cancel the event and putting pressure on the uh, the venue to cancel the event. They're not going to go. They're not interested in going and hearing Dr. Peterson, but they don't want you to either. We'll uh, pick up on that story and get your reaction on the other side, the Richard Show. More in a moment, right here on Saga 960. Let's rejoin the conversation on the Richard Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board. Join the conversation here on the Richard Show, Saga 960. And uh, we are in the uh, the home stretch of the program. So just a few minutes to take some calls. And there are a number of items we can discuss earlier in the program with Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun. We were discussing Canada, uh, Health Canada, uh, admitting, well, reporting, <laughs> reporting that uh, there are 400 deaths after the COVID shot here in Canada. And that number, of course, is uh, is much higher. I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. The... Um, the system here to uh, report adverse events following a, a vaccine is incredibly onerous, incredibly difficult. Uh, it's not transparent. It's not like the VAERS system in the United States. And um, the VAERS was set up by the CDC. There are about 18,000 deaths following a COVID shot reported in the U.S. on VAERS. According to a Harvard study, uh, the underreporting on VAERS uh, could be 40 times. In other words, you take that 18,000 and multiply it by 40. And that's how many deaths you could have as a result of the COVID vaccine. And then Health Canada says 400. Well, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. That's a trade. That's a fine trade-off. That's absolutely Malthusian. That is just sickening, particularly if you are a loved one who lost someone or you, you lost a loved one because of the COVID vaccine. Someone like Dan Hartman, who lost his 17-year-old son, who essentially was coerced into getting the vaccine so he could play hockey and then passed away 33 days later. I wonder if Sean Hartman is among the 400 that they've listed. We can talk about that. Now, 
Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who I have a lot of time for, I think he's a brilliant mind. I don't agree with everything he says. So what? Um, the point is, he um, has helped a lot of people. Uncountable, unknowable, probably, how many young men and women whose lives have been transformed because of his counseling, his sage advice, his books. He's on a book tour, a North American book tour, and um, is slated to speak at the uh, Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa. Well, there are 36 organizations who are demanding, demanding the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa cancel this upcoming event with Dr. Jordan Peterson. Jamie Sadgrove, manager of communications and advocacy for the Canadian Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity, told the National Post newspaper, as we approach the one-year anniversary of the so-called Freedom Convoy, you know, they always put so-called, even the mainstream media, the so-called Freedom Convoy. Why don't they ever say the so-called Black Lives Matter? Anyway, as we approach the one-year anniversary of the so-called Freedom Convoy, the last thing we need is a spokesperson of the far right taking center stage in our city. And uh, this organization... CCGSD, the Canadian Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity, that's just one of the 36 groups that have signed an open letter demanding the shutdown of the event. And it's one of the groups that has also received large amounts of taxpayer cash from the Trudeau government in recent years. Last year, the CCGSD was given a total of $1,090,624 by the Canadian federal government as part of a project to deliver resources for sexual health education for Canadian school teachers. On the first anniversary of the convoy, it's a slap in the face to have him, of all people, come to our capital, says Faye Johnstone, executive director of the consulting firm Wisdom to Action. Wisdom to Action also, a beneficiary of Canadian public cash and was given almost a million dollars by the Trudeau government last year for a 36-month project for two SLGBTQ plus youth experience gender-based violence to raise awareness over youth violence in the community. So they're taking our taxpayer dollars and using it to censor, deplatform people. If you don't want to listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson, don't show up at the Canadian Tire Center on Ottawa on the night of his venue. But you think you have the right to prevent other people who want to see him, that are interested in listening to him. Why this connection? Why are you um, connecting Dr. Jordan Peterson with the convoy? Yes, he was supporting of the convoy. So anyone who supported the Freedom Convoy, not allowed to speak in Ottawa, not allowed to set foot in Ottawa. Is that is that what we're playing at here? I mean, that's just odious and sinister. Just like the Scotia Bank that is debanking someone whose views they consider offensive. It's not Canadian. It's the antithesis of what we stand for or used to stand for in this country. So the executives at Scotia Bank who made that decision, that's shameful. It's disgraceful. It's a stain on our country. You're an embarrassment. And the groups 
that are lining up to try and cancel Dr. Jordan Peterson. Same goes for you. And let's see how the uh, the management at the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa handle this. I I hope they won't cave. I suspect, unfortunately, I'm cynical, I guess. I suspect that they will cave to the mob. And that's what they are. They're a rabid, foaming-at-the-mouth mob. First they come for Dr. Jordan Peterson, and then they come for you. First Scotiabank comes for Jeremy McKenzie, and then they come for you. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob, and Money. Money. Both of us building uh, hockey rinks in our backyard this, re- this year. Money ran into some problems. I was telling Money, you got you to gotta go for the liner next year, Money. Buy a liner, then you're not dependent on the snow. And then uh, just do a little grading in the backyard. So I had the same problem. All the water rushed to one end for me last year. You'll get it done. You'll get it done. All right. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, Podcasts, blogs, and and other... Go to Saga960AM.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga960AM. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.